0: Here they come!
1: Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Kelly Hogaboom to discuss the discovery of Count Orlok aboard ship in 1922's Nosferatu. Action time is a factor in this, so please pay attention. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Eric. Hello. Right. Here we go then. Nosferatu. How far back do you and Nosferatu go then, Kelly?
0: Well, I've been aware of it since I was a kid, but I didn't watch the full, like, the full film until I think 2014 when I was writing a blog series um, on vampires um, on my B-movie BFFs website. Right. So that would have been when I first watched the whole thing all the way through.
1: But when you say you was aware of it when you were a kid, how were you were aware of uh, uh, aware of it?
0: I it's almost like I remember I remember a character named Nosferatu. I didn't know he was tied to the Dracula uh, story at all, mm. and I knew what he looked like. And I and I didn't grow up with TV, so I don't know where I knew it, but I always knew of that image. That so, um, it's a pretty indelible you know figure. I mean, probably everyone if you showed them a picture. Of Max Shrek in this costume, I think most Americans would say, "Oh, no, Ferratau." Even if they don't know anything about the film,
1: because mm. I, I think it's
0: that—it's um, that sort of, in, you know, imbued in our consciousness.
1: Yeah, because I thought, uh, uh, um, you know, you say you didn't grow up with TV, but you know, a lot of uh, uh, American folk that did have TV, I guess they kind of know the design of of the fella from uh, Salem's Lot. The original of Salem's Lot, which ripped him yeah. off something chronic, didn't they?
0: Yeah, I, I think Salem's Lot and then the, um, what we do in the shadows here just a few mm, years ago, yeah. that, that particular vampire design, are, those are probably the more mainstream projects where people would have seen the image. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Yeah, that last one, that was more loving than a blatant rip-off, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? <You> know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that yeah. film. I haven't even thought about that. that. Maybe that might be a film to do sometime, is do some we of the just effects on re- that.
0: Yeah, we just rewatched it and it's better. It's just it's such a good film. I um but anyway, uh yeah, good vampire film. All right. good, good comedy. All right. yeah.
1: Um I for myself with Nosferatu, um I've known about him since the seventies. These these horror books I keep blathering on about. They always had a photo of of him in it. It's that classic photo of him standing in the arch doorway in his castle. You know, um, standing out from the blackness that's behind him, and I've always been fascinated by the look of him. Um, oh yeah, yeah. From a very early age, I've 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 loved early uh, film and early Hollywood, and part of the appeal, and I don't know why, is if you look back at the early early films, they were quite grubby. You know, that the the set design and everything was was quite worn down. It was almost Victorian, you know. Um you look at some of the Charlie Chaplin shorts the buildings were were really rather decrepit yeah, and everything and it definitely. yeah and it's just that look and that harsh black and white you know this this you know set design I don't know I I've always found it incredibly atmospheric even in a comedy even in a Laurel and Hardy silent you know you look at the buildings it's like that's pretty run down and decrepit you know and but then <laughs> when you actually see it in a in a horror film it's even more jarring and unsettling
0: yeah i when i when i wrote my little review a few years ago i mean ultimately i feel like the film is more sad than anything and not not especially scary and part of that sadness is how threadbare kind of everything looks Mm. like everything their clothes their like you say the buildings it's kind of it's not a glamorous vampire film let's just say
1: now you do feel sorry for the guy, maybe not so much in this one, but in the remake, the Klaus Kinski remake, he's definitely playing it sad. He's he's almost sighing all the way through it, isn't he? <laughs> right,
0: right. And then the the 2000 uh, with Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich. Um, that was a depressing... I, just, I don't know. Like It's not a cheerful story, I guess.
1: No, no. Um, I, fi- I finally got to see it. I think it was sometime in the 80s. Um, one of the channels over here showed it, and I and I videoed it. And I used to play it a lot. And um, that's the only version I've had for a very long time. Um, but I've now got it on Blu-ray, okay? Gotcha. A, a company called Eureka have produced it, and it's it's t- terrific. It's got... An, it's got an ex- excellent documentary on uh, Murnau's early career and the making of the film. There's a big booklet that comes with it. Um, but it's very weird because I thought, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And I watched it. And, and you know, they've, they've put in missing scenes and they've put scenes back in and they've digitally remastered it. And I watched that. And then I think about this old version that I had on videotape. And I kind of prefer the one that I used to have in the 80s because... The fact that that wasn't a cleaned up print and, you know, you had your scratches and your jumps and your cuts and things like that kind of like added to, you know, the the, the style of it. It, If anything, it, it gave it more atmosphere because the actual print that you're watching is almost as run down as the castles that you're watching, if you see what I mean.
0: Yeah, I I can do you one better on that cuz I I just watched the Getty Images version of this film. Did you hear about that?
1: I saw your post on Facebook that that's what you watched yeah. for homework. Yeah.
0: So I I watched so I watched the original the streaming version that's on Amazon Prime and then I watched the uh, Getty, which is where uh, I think it was pretty much a promotional effort. They Took the film, a very, very beautiful uh, print. I mean, it looks much better than the Amazon Prime uh, print. So they took the film and then they added all the sound design. Um, you know, like the sound of birds chirping and you know um, footsteps. I mean, they they from the Getty Images uh, audio extensive audio library mm. and. I kind of I agree with you because when when it's got the corny um, you know organ music and you it, the print's so bad you can't even see expressions uh, on the face and all that versus when I saw this new version where the print the print alone was better but then they added all the sound it feels like the older grimier version your um, imagination has to do more work in the story and I think that that makes it a more engaging film. Mm. Kind of in the vein of what you're saying. I mean, I liked them both, mm. but I I think that it's better in the original form. Although I highly recommend anyone who's seen the original to to check out the Getty Images version because it is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to follow that link that you put up and uh, and take a look. It's going to be interesting to see what I think of it, but i'll tell you what also i missed in this you know cleaned up super duper version that i watched um they have much more accurate uh captions you know
0: Ah, okay
1: and i i miss the old ones that i can't remember i I should have written (laughs) this down before i did it but in the new blu-ray thing when uh hutter He's approaching the castle and he crosses the bridge. You know, the coachmen have said, You're not allowed, we're not going to go any further. You're on your own now, mate. And he crosses the bridge. I can't remember. He said something, it says something about, Oh, he crosses the bridge and he goes to the castle. Something very bland. But I always remember my old version on videotape. It says something like, And when he crossed the bridge, the phantoms came to meet him. Okay. Which I thought was a fantastic remember. line, and that's when that coach turns up, you know, to pick him up. Right. And the phantoms came to meet him, which, yeah, yeah, you know, to, in my mind, is far more evocative and in keeping with the visuals than the rather bland caption that you now get on the Blu-ray.
0: Well, and this thing's been remixed and mashed up so much. Like, some versions have um, different names for the character. There's uh, – I can't remember her name. Is it uh – I can't remember Mina's name and the one we just watched, but they, sometimes it's Nina, sometimes it's Mina, sometimes it's like Helen or something. So um, the, just the story of the captions alone seems a little complex to me. Like, where, which version am I seeing and who wrote them and that kind of thing.
1: It is, it is quite complex. We'll be talking about this shortly. Um, but, yeah, and, and it, the genesis of this project and everything. But we're talking about the sequence um, at sea today, but I just wanted to just – Get your uh, uh, views on what you think of Max Schreck as Count Orlock. What do you think? Oh, he's he's
0: great. I mean, uh, he this look um, and a few other things about this film redefine vampires one hundred percent in American cinema. Anyway, um, even though it's a German film, my husband asked me last night. He said um, he asked if he was tall. Max Shrek. so I looked him up he was six foot three and he's obviously very skinny Mm. (laughs) so he has that advantage like I couldn't pull off this look that he's got going on but um he looked great I loved his mannerisms um he's great
1: 100% yeah I mean what you were saying earlier you know what if you've seen a photo you know who this guy is you know because once you've seen him you'll never forget him he looks Mm -hmm. like a walking corpse you know, yeah. he he's far far removed from the count of the book. I mean, you know, he's got these long fingers. You know, he's got that pale domed head with these little tufts of hair just above his ears. You know, and those bizarre eyebrows going on. Yeah, and and a, every sorry,
0: every um almost every male character in this film they do a lot with the eyebrows and the facial hair, even some of the minor ones. That was a big. And that must be like a stage makeup holdover or something because there were a lot of huge eyebrows and big mutton chops going on in this film.
1: We were talking about this last week when we were talking about Frankenstein and the 1910 edison the very first version of frankenstein and how theatrical a lot of the hand gestures are and movements are because you know (laughs) it's a holdover from the stage tradition which was still going strong and you know all these actors came from stage and i think you're Right. right as well very often back then you know um you would overemphasize your facial makeup so you can be seen from a distance the makeup can be seen from the back of the auditorium you know and i think that's what's going down going on here you know
0: yeah, and um, did you read about uh, where the character design, some of the illustrations that supposedly, um, you know, were the
1: influence for Nosferatu's look? Uh, are, are you talking about uh, the occult here?
0: Um, no, there's no? a. Um, it's I can't pronounce any of these names, so I'm not going to try <laughs> to. But there's a Golem series of drawings by. Um, Hugo Steiner, Prague, from 1916, and when I was reading, it sounded like that might have been the um, influence for how he looks. That you know, like he's bald, for instance. Mm. I mean, that was that was an unexpected. I mean, the Dracula in the book had a bunch of hair. I mean, it's remarked yeah. upon. Yeah. So, uh, if you get a chance, maybe I'll post it to your page. But I looked at some of those illustrations, and they're really beautiful, and they're really scary, and they're a hundred years old, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, please do. Please do. I mean, what we were saying there about, you know, everything's, you know, big gestures and everything's big, but (laughs) not with this guy because, you know, I think what's key to him is not only the way he looks, but it's his restriction of movement. You know, yeah, he keeps his arms held down at his sides and he's just slow, deliberate walks. You know, he's almost doing the opposite of everybody else is doing, you know.
0: Yeah. Or like the, towards the end when Mina basically calls him over so that, you know, she's going to trap him into, into sunlight. Mm-hmm. She opens the door. He does that weird. Like he, he puts his arms up like kangaroo arms and then yeah. like glides off. Like I was wondering if that's the first time that was committed to film. Cause that gesture is so distinctive and uh-huh. we've seen it, you know, it's, it's usually kind of lampooned, but it's, Creepy, you know.
1: (laughs) Again, we were saying this last week, you know, a lot of the things which we now consider quite trite and cliché of course, weren't back here. This is all innovative right. stuff, and this is things that are being seen for the first time. They're not cliches here, are they?
0: Yes. For instance, I, and, and you might correct me on this, but I think this is the uh, this is the genesis of the idea that sunlight will kill a vampire. Yep. It's this movie. It yep. wasn't in the book. You know, that's that's amazing because that's in almost every vampire film I can think of. These
1: days. yep, It all stems from this film. Um, it says yeah. in the book that sunlight weakens uh, right. Dracula and, and some of the things that he's able to, you know, do like the transformations and stuff he can't do during the day. But no, no, it doesn't kill him. No, It right. all came from here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say before we get on to the sequence, we're going to talk about something that I've, I, I've always found incredibly, you know, evocative are the exteriors that are in this film. Um, uh, they filmed in real locations. Um, there's a place called Lubeck, which was the site for the abandoned warehouse, um, that you see in the film and a place called Wismar They're brilliantly creepy and evocative. And on the documentary that's on the Blu-ray, it, it shows you what they look like now. And they are totally and utterly unchanged.
0: Yeah, I read that, too, and it looked like they filmed a lot of different places. That kind of surprises me. They were all over the place.
1: Yeah, 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 because they did go up into the mountains for the castle scenes, etc., cetera, et cetera. This is a very ambitious, you know, film for a a newly-fledged studio and their yeah. first film, you know. Um, so, yeah, very, very ambitious.
0: Yeah, and I guess the last shot of the the, the destroyed castle – the, I can't remember where it was, but that was kind of a remote location. And that's the it's like two seconds long yeah. shot. That's it. I mean, so I was kind of surprised by that.
1: Well, it says in the documentary that that castle they noticed there while they were on the way to the castle that they use for Orlock's castle. And so gotcha. they stopped and they did some footage because they thought they might be able to use it in the film. And that's, uh-huh. that's why it's only a short thing. They were never meant to have filmed there. They just happened to spot it as they were as they were going up the river.
0: Oh, you get in trouble if you try to do that today.
1: Oh, you've got to get all permissions and there's got to be 100 people in the credits, you know, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. All right. Well, we're going to get onto the sequence. Traditionally, we stop for a, a sound clip. This is a silent film, so uh, we're not stopping for a clip. So we're going to go straight into the sequence, okay?
0: Okay.
1: So uh, we start with the ship called the Demeter, and it's at sea. Um, and the crewmen, uh, they all think that they carry all they're carrying are boxes of soil, don't they? Yeah, right. And Big that's
0: offensive of soil.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a throwback to the book. You know, um, mm-hmm. Dracula must sleep in his native soil. You know, right. And a bunch of rats as well. Uh, right. Yeah, and and this sequence we're talking about, the lead up to this sequence, it keeps cutting away back to land and then back to sea. But we're just devoting ourselves to the ship scenes, okay. Okay. Right. Um so when we cut back to the ship, um we find that a crewman is um is getting sick, don't we? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the I think the mate comes and tells the captain um and then the what do you call those text cards that go in the movie like when it well
1: that that, that captions aren't they
0: okay the caption yeah. says something like one by one the men of the Demeter were falling ill and then it shows the captain and the mate going down uh, below deck and there's a guy you know tossing around on a hammock looking sick right
1: yeah and they give him something I'm sure that's rum I think that's just rum or something like okay. that you know all
0: right
1: <laughs> Um, and, and they, they go off, they leave him in his hammock with his rum and, and he looks to the boxes and we see, uh, Nosferatu there. He's uh superimposed, isn't he? Like, like a ghost-like image.
0: Yeah. He fades in. The, yes. the guy, the guy like immediately sits up and looks over like in, in a movie today, there'd be a noise. There'd be a jump scare right there. Cause he jumps up to look and then you see Nosferatu fade in.
1: Yeah. And then it, and then it will be a quick cut to something else going on, won't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But we do cut away. We cut from that. We go to land. But when we come back, um, when we get back to the ship, the crewman um, has ta- it says the the caption says that the crewman has taken the rest of the crew into the sea.
0: Yeah. Well, the caption I read said something like one evening, the mate and the captain say goodbye to their last crewmate. Um, so, so ah. that went from zero to 60 real quick, right? The first guy gets sick yeah. and then now they're all, they're all dead except for one guy or two guys.
1: See, this is something I should have thought of earlier when I was saying about my videotape version from the eighties, you know, had different captions to my Blu-ray. It seems that my Blu-ray has got different captions to yours. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: No, it, my, my one, it just says the crew has taken the rest of the crew into the sea.
0: Okay, that's very poetic.
1: Yeah. So we're we're just left with the captain and the first mate, mate, aren't we?
0: That's
1: right. And the first mate, he decides to go down into the hole uh, with an axe to sort things out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. By himself. This And I just re-listened to this part in the original book, and it's um, obviously a longer journal entry than Mm. what we're seeing. But that was such a terrible, um, scary part of the book. Mm. So I kind of felt like the movie gave it short shrift a little bit. But the movie had a lot of ground to cover, so, you know.
1: Yeah, and these films were short as well, weren't they? They had to pack an awful lot in.
0: Yeah, in an hour and 20 minutes or whatever, yeah. Yeah,
1: so so the first mate, he goes up to the coffin he he chops at that and we get rats pouring out um he goes to another one uh, and this is why i've chosen this uh, scene out of all of uh, the scenes i could have chosen for this film uh we see a lid fly off the coffin next door and right. and all we really see to begin with is nosferatu's, nosferatu's um those hideously elongated clo- claws at first don't we right right and we see the claw come up and then he rises up stiff as a board doesn't he yes in one movement which i i love it I, I i love the effectiveness of this that this guy just comes straight up and also the fact that you're pretty darn sure that's exactly how they did it he's lying on a plank which they pulled up didn't they <laughs> you
0: know yeah i didn't even i'm not a special effects guy so i didn't think of how they did it but I, i'm wondering if that was like the origin of that particular um vampire uh i don't know habit that you know stiff as a board rising up
1: it is i mean th- this film owes uh, uh yeah you know the films that come after this owe so much to this film and awful yeah. a lot of the conventions of you know the dracula films much like the frankenstein the universal frankenstein we were talking about last week so many uh films that follow after this owe so much to these films
0: yeah, I just watched um, V, that Russian horror film from 1967. I don't know if you've seen it. but no. Um, no. There was some good coffin, you know, stiff corpse raising out, like, in that film. Um, I'm just kind of remembering it now. It's, it's a pretty creepy effect. I, I think it's pretty um, pretty jarring to see that.
1: Mm. So the, the, the first mate, he flies in terror, doesn't he, as, <laughs> as Nosferatu. He, he slowly raises an arm.
0: Right. He screams and like drops his axe, right?
1: Yeah, and he's then the he's axe. off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's out of there.
1: Yeah, and he goes up on deck and throws himself immediately overboard.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the captain with the huge like with big mutton chops, he he looks over, sees the mate jump and is like, "Well, and like ties himself to the Yeah. to the steer. I'm like, "Are you going to try to help him or I mean, nothing. He's just like, "Okay, that guy's gone."
1: It does make you wonder why does he do that? He knows he's doomed. He knows that that something's up and something's going to happen to him. Tying yourself to the will is, is, if anything, making your enemy's job that much easier.
0: I didn't understand that in the book, like either I missed why, um, but I've never understood why he does that. Except it's such a creepy, terrifying um, image, you know, when his corpse is discovered um, in Whitby or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, in tales, you, you know, it's quite a tradition for somebody to tie themselves to the wheel to hold the ship on course. So I'm guessing if they do that like that, then the people just assume, oh, they've been through a storm. I don't know. It just seems a bit odd. I would have just thrown myself into the river, into the sea after the first mate, you know.
0: <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. he. T- that, OK, so go on. You're narrating the scene. <laughs>
1: But we then get this brilliant shot. You're looking right up at uh, Orlok there as he stalks along the deck of the ship. And the camera's way down low, and you're looking right up at him. And he's got this, you, you know, the arms uh, straight out with the claws out. You know, just an iconic moment, that is.
0: Yeah, you're like in the hold of the ship looking. I don't know my boat parts, but, you know, you're looking up and the ropes are behind him. And he very slowly moves from left to right. And that was an awesome scene, although the scene right after it is even cooler Mm -hmm. because it goes to the captain and you never see you see the captain looking at the count and you never see the count grab him. But you can see him following him with his eyes. Very, very scary. Yep.
1: You say scary. Yeah, it is very, very scary. But I tell you what I find very disturbing about this film and the captain here, what you were talking about, um, you, you know, is a very good example of it. This is a scary film in that even the good people are scary. That captain <laughs> is, is is a scary bloke, I tell you.
0: Yeah, he he looked scary when you first saw him. But in this scene, he's got even more like eye makeup on mm. and his hair hair is all disheveled and yeah it's a pretty ghoulish image just him yeah you're right
1: (laughs) you you say ghoulish i say werewolf he could almost be a werewolf with all that hair like that you know
0: (laughs) yeah and uh knock you know the renfield character uh knock he also he was pretty scary
1: looking and he's scary looking at the beginning of the film before anything you know um supernatural (laughs) bad happens you would not work for a guy like that would you
0: well, yeah, because he's, he's pouring over that weird piece of paper with all these creepy symbols on it, and he's like, yeah, go to this castle. I, I'd be like, nah, man, like I'm going to yeah. get a different job. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Alright, well, that's it. That's the sequence over, because, you know, again, we cut back to land, so that's the, uh, uh, the sequence over. So we're going to go into behind the scenes. Now, ha- how much have you looked into this, Kelly? Oh, not very much. Alright, okay. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff so let's go for it um it's they say this is the first film adaptation of dracula though it's been disputed okay um, it's the
0: first surviving it's the only surviving one that early because there's one a year before wasn't there
1: and and one before that apparently there was oh. uh, this is 1922 but apparently there was one in 1921 from hungary and one in 1920 from russia but uh, yes as you say both of them have been lost now
0: i didn't know about the russian one i know the hungarian one that's called um the death of dracula or dracula's death yeah i did not i did not know there was a russian one
1: yeah that was the year before but even before that you did have films um you had a number of films with vampire in the title um there was vampires of the coast from 1909 real early one uh the vampire 1911 the vampire's tower 1913 um but they don't have any supernatural element in them at all uh they're just a play okay. on the word vamp or, or femme fatale you know
0: oh uh, yeah i think i've seen one of those that was about a femme fatale and now i can't remember the name but right
1: yeah, it had yeah, yeah. Definitely
0: a vamp in the title. Okay. Yes,
1: yeah. So that's that. That's all they are. They aren't. They aren't about vampires. Um, mentioned earlier about the occult. Occultism is heavy throughout the film. Um, the two heads of the Prana Film Company who made this, they were into it. As was Alchin Growl, who was the art director. Okay. And when you say about knock at the beginning, and he's looking at those manuscripts, apparently that the symbology in on written down in there, they are genuine occult symbols. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's some thought that it's an in joke by you know the uh, the Prana Film Company to actually get occultism out to the masses without the masses actually realizing. Well,
0: I mean, wasn't this in the middle of? you know alistair crowley and i mean there was a lot of interest in some of this stuff it was you know kind of popular um
1: it's exactly at that time uh, again um the documentary on the blu-ray um goes into some detail about it about how at that time yes you had different um sects these groups a lot of them they didn't mix but they were all into the occult and yes you're absolutely right it's exactly the same time as alistair crowley
0: yeah, so, hmm. okay, so I, I had no idea that those symbols were anything other than
1: gibberish. No, that, apparently they, they were meaningful. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was the only film produced by Prana as they went bankrupt even before the lawsuit that was brought about by Bram Stoker's widow. Right. But we'll get onto that in a minute, Okay.
0: And I read that um, they they did a huge marketing campaign and that for this film. And that might be part of the reason they went bankrupt. They spent a lot of money and effort on Mm. a couple parties and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What I I can't understand about this. I mean, you say that there and, you know, we were saying it's a very ambitious film to go to all these real life locations. It it infers that these people were passionate and they knew what they were doing and they were creative, which makes the reason why they, <laughs> what, what happens next all the more stupid and unnecessary, but we'll come on to that in a minute. Okay. Um, Al, Albin Grow, Okay. The art director, apparently it's just a legend and it's urban myth, but for a long time, legend had it that Albin Growl he wanted to make a vampire film. Because when he was in the army during the First World War, his unit was assigned to de a village in Serbia, okay? And while he was cutting a bloke's hair, the man said how his father was a vampire, okay? okay? And he went into this lengthy tale while he's having his hair all shaved off about how his father died and then they dug him up and, you know... The- He hadn't started rotting and he actually was a vampire. But apparently that's a publicity story that was made up. um, Oh, there's no basis in reality to that at all.
0: Yeah, I read somewhere that like this film was made by people who might have still believed in vampires. Like it's such an old film. But I mean, there are people today who dig up their relatives, you know, and cut out their heart and burn it to ashes and drink it because they think that you know mm. they're they're I mean that those superstitions still exist today, so it, I, I, I don't I, know I, how far I, we've come.
1: No, well I've I've seen you know I've seen documentaries you know only you know 10, 15 years ago where you got the likes of Jonathan Ross going off to. F- you know, find the real Count Dracula and off to Romania and Transvane- Transylvania. And they say again and again, you know, that the the folklore is still strong out in right. these remote, you know, villages and out in the countryside. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So if if that's the case still now, then if you're talking like nearly a hundred years ago, then yeah, I don't doubt it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So so that the novel was adapted. Um, um, into this screenplay, and as you were saying, um, names have been changed: um, Hutter uh, instead of Harker, Knock instead of Renfield. Um, and again, it's been said that it was to avoid a lawsuit from <laughs> Stoker's estate. Okay, all right <laughs> But that's not; it, it, it's just not so. Um, okay. It, it clearly sta- says at the start. Well, it clearly says at the start of my film that it's an adaptation of Dracula.
0: Yeah. And they promoted it that way on the posters, too.
1: Yeah. So so if you're just avoiding these uh, these characters names to avoid a lawsuit, that's a bit daft. Um, (laughs) And rather than having um, this, you know, as in the book, you've got a medieval evil coming um, to modern London. It was totally set in Germany and it was moved from the 1890s of the book to the 1830s. OK, which was the time of the tales of the Brothers Grimm. Okay, and apparently it was nothing to do with trying to avoid a lawsuit or anything like that. It wasn't about trying to avoid being sued. It was more that they thought that it would make it more accessible to the German audience of that time if the film was because it is a fable to set it in the time of other recognizable fables to the German audience and set it all in Germany. Apparently that was the reason for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, The reason that um, they got sued by Bram Stoker's widow is it was a simple case of no one thought to ask permission.
0: Okay.
1: So as I say, they, they went to this great lengths to make this very big ambitious film but nobody actually thought to ask permission off of the widow because it was only 25 years before the book had only come out 25 years before it was totally still in copyright.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I looked at, um, I don't know what your source is, but you know, I'm, I looked at an article that said they did ask for permission and got turned down. So, you know, th- there's a lot of, there's definitely misinformation on this
1: story. No, but... the, the, no, the, the, Blu-ray it's, a, it's a long wrangle basically they didn't ask for permission she got her lawyers in touch and then it was going to be a haggling thing about you know she wanted a percentage here or it could be shown over there as this and blah 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 and then this side you you know fell down on the deal and then she tried suing again and and they appealed and each time they appealed the judge threw it out and she won each time so it was a long protracted you know uh spat between the two sides and in the end stoker's widow came out on top
0: and um is it true that the book did go into public domain early because it wasn't filed properly
1: oh i've never heard of that one
0: well i you know like i said now i don't know what to trust but um but you know we had what 1930 what the bella lugosi film and i mean Mm -hmm. we've had a bunch of um dracula versions before the 50 years after stoker's death copyright so I'm, I'm i'm sure one of your listeners knows so much more about the copyright of dracula yeah, yeah. than i do but it's pretty interesting
1: yeah because as you say i mean that was 31 universal's dracula mm-hmm. was 31 right. and you know that was based on the stage play in london which mm-hmm. had been incredibly successful for a couple of years bella lugosi was in that wasn't he so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it it, it, might, it might have been. As you yeah. say, if anybody can let us know on Facebook just, you know, what is going on here, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I love that it's in the public domain because, I, you know, I get to listen to audiobooks and, you know, just anyone can perform the book now. I, I'm actually a bigger fan of the book than any film um, adaptation that's ever come out. I'm a, I'm a big fan, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, it is a case of, you know, you read the book and you can see it in your mind's eye. And whatever you come up with in your mind's eye is going to be far more effective um, than anything anybody can put up on screen.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same same with Frankenstein. Same with so, so, so many books. War of the Worlds. I mean, they, they're they talking about next year, you know, the BBC are doing a, 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 a faithful adaptation of HG Wells' book. But I don't know. We'll wait and see.
0: Well, you know, and I I just talked, I have talked about remakes with people often because people get offended by remakes. And I've never understood that because even if a remake comes out, it doesn't make the previous version disappear. So Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. And, um... I I'm a fan, um, but then again, I mean, I release my works on a Creative Copy. Uh, I'm sorry, Creative Commons um, attribute share like license. So I think mm. my sort of values are about passing art forward for people to use, as opposed to trying to button down a certain version of something. Um, is as, it, as, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say it's funny you say that because you know I've got an Instagram account and I've had people say, well, basically what you're doing is you're you're detailing how you make stuff but you're giving people free advice and it's like well yeah. well yeah on one hand but on the other hand you know why not you know
0: yeah i i think it's wonderful because you know i i'm a tailor and i do a lot of costumes every for, starting now in the year i'm making costumes and we've collaborated actually you and i on, on something mm. but you know um that concept of like you're stealing. And I mean, there is no original idea out there, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like just this film, right? There's all these different, um, Mm -hmm. artistic influences that came into making this film. And then this film has influenced probably every Hollywood vampire film since. So I I don't know. I I just have never kind of understood the idea that you can like, like button up intellectual property. Like even if you try, you can't get it done. No, no, no. You know, as this film shows us, supposedly every copy was destroyed, but it wasn't, and we have it today.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's us pretty much at the end. So, as you know, um, I I need a rating off of you.
0: Okay, so for special effects, is that where we're rating? Yeah, yep, yep. Oh gosh, well, I guess for 1920, I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. I, I think it's it's totally creepy. I think, um, especially if you like, a, like the better print that I watched his, you know, when he fades in and when he comes up off the out of the coffin, it looks great.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's not many times that I'll use the word iconic, um, <laughs> but I do in this film. It's an iconic piece of film horror, um, scary yeah. to this day. Um, there's only two films that I've ever watched that have genuinely scared me. There's this one. And there's The Exorcist, and that's it. All the others, (laughs) I watch them, and it's like I'm not unsettled by it, and I'm looking more at the special effects. You know, I know I know that's prosthetic, I know that's makeup, I know that's whatever. You know.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that before. That when you see an axe go into somebody's head, you're like, oh, how did they do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm I'm looking at the effects rather than you know uh being unsettled by it but this film even now you know even even watching it for this show that it's such a creepy film yeah Yeah. it's a it's a pg certificate over here um i guess it must be pretty much the same over in america but that doesn't mean it's not scary yeah it's it's
0: good so
1: what's your rating uh it's a 10 as well
0: all right Hey, I found that uh, 1920 Russian um, Dracula film Right. that you were talking about, and uh, the Dracula character's got uh, a big old mustache and long hair, and he kind of, I think, uh, might have... It reminds me of the Gary Oldman Dracula, is what I'm mm-hmm. saying, so pretty interesting. So well, he's got it. a... M-
1: If he's got a moustache, of course, you know, Dracula does have a moustache in the book, doesn't he?
0: Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah.
1: yeah, But he didn't have
0: long hair, I don't think, um, if I remember.
1: It's uh, been a long time since I've read the book. I remember the moustache and he's got a unibrow, hasn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. 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 And he gets progressively younger. He starts off quite. I mean, that's what they were doing in the in the Coppola version, weren't they? They were doing an old one. And he got slowly younger as, as the film went on. You know, it's that yeah. sort of thing going on. Yeah. But not it's... this one. Can't count Orlock, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: he just looks like shit the whole time. Or, he's, a rat, he's a rat
1: man uh, <laughs> through and through. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's us done. So thanks for your time, Kelly. Yeah, well, I think it's. I look
0: forward to your um, your horror uh, your October horror month. I think that's awesome. That's good stuff.
1: I was saying to Matt last week, it's going to be interesting. We've got we've got um, four weeks of horror characters, and we've got a ten here. Um, is he going to be equaled by the end of the month? So everybody, stay tuned. Okay. All
0: right. Right on.
1: Thanks, Eric. Right. Thanks, Kelly. Bye bye. Now. All right.